Welcome to the Golf Exposed Podcast. It is non-stop trash stuff. I'm supposed to be pros here. I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf. Golf Exposed Podcast. But it wasn't talked about like it is now. We got our kick. Where we give you the good, the bad, and the truth about golf business, betting, and stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Exposed Podcast. Excited to be here. My name is Jordan Michael Colson, joined by John Brown, CEO, President, Big Cheese of Brown Golf Management and Golf Back. John, welcome back to the program. Great to be here, Jordan. So one thing that I have been absolutely atrocious at as the host is promoting our very own show. You know, Joe Rogan and all the big guys are always like, you can download us here at Spotify and this. I never really mentioned that. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. So shame on me. Um, and we want as many people to benefit from this as possible because we're really dishing out some knowledge here and some hot takes. I'm not going to be able to control myself because I'm barely able to right now. So today, John, before we get into a little bit of fun, I thought we should probably mention to people that um, we have a litany of back episodes. and. I just thought we'd sort of remind the folks what we kind of talked about and let people know it's available on iTunes, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. Of course, the Brown Golf Management website and the Golf Back website have it as well. So, John, should we take a quick trip down memory lane here? I think we should. I, I actually called Joe about being the host in the future. He was a little <laughs> tied up. So I guess we'll have to stick with you for now. As a 51-year-old father of three, it would never work. Uh, yeah, the Golf Exposed podcast has been a lot of fun. One, really enjoyed it. You know, we try to make it uh, as entertaining as we can while we're talking about, you know, a pretty specific set of uh, information, which is really things related to the golf business and the golf industry. But just taking a little trip down some of the episodes uh, that we've had, you know, we had a, a caddy uh, tell about his first experience uh, winning on the PGA Tour, which was which was great. A great golfer named Matt Brost. I think that was episode three. A lot of fun with that. He had some great COVID stories about tournaments he played with the people down in Texas, other PGA Tour players. Uh, so that was a great show. Um, we did a show about professional man golf management companies, which was great, very telling. We had a show about a solution for private equity country clubs who might need some investment. We did a show about uh, point-of-sale systems and, and really gave a, an, an overview of the marketplace and what potentially might be out there for golf operators. Oh, is that what POS means? I thought you were talking to me. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Some, well, after the show, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, we, did, we had a master's special, which was, which was great. Uh, we had the editorial director from masters.com, Ward Clayton, join the show. And, and obviously, anytime you get a chance to talk about the masters, you know, you start having a, a great time. Uh, you know, one of our most downloaded shows was Seven Steps to Leaving Golf Now, which, uh, you know, obviously that's got kind of a trigger title to it. But if anyone's ever considering that, I think that gives a great overview. That's my favorite episode. Yeah, we got, did one about innovative golf companies, uh, you know, Caddy Kiosk, Spark Golf, Best Approach, companies that are in the marketplace. And yeah, really just trying to give everybody, you know, the full scope of golf information just so their 15 minute drive home is a, you know, they can get a little information and knowledge. And the most recent show we did last episode was about how to buy a golf course and what you can learn from the process, which I think is a nice inroad into just analyzing a particular club's operation. 
And what people tell me all the time that listen to the show that are not as ingrained in the golf industry as you are, John, they're like, you know, I get a lot of business acumen or, or knowledge or just things that are really universal to, to marketing and promotion and just learning knowledge. And they say that we do make it easy to listen to and we greatly appreciate that. And we know it's a very niche thing. So the best way to support the show, if you, if you are an advocate for it, is to one, like or subscribe, tell a friend, uh, share it on your social media. The easiest way to do that is either to, like I said, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts. Those are the big two. But of course, Golf exposed.podbean.com. And there's also the free Podbean app, which is great for all podcasts. And just sharing it, letting people know that you enjoy it, it that is huge for us. So we greatly appreciate it. Thousands of downloads, really excited about it. And what I'm not super excited about, John, is you're probably going to make me look a little bit asinine today. So um, we're going to play a little game. I know that you're going to kind of quiz me a little bit about some T-sheet management. I honestly have no idea what's going on. Even if I did prep for it, I don't know that I'd do any better than I'm going to do anyway. But I think it will allow people to understand things um, from a layman perspective for sure. But you're going to correct me on what I do wrong, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be fun for me. Uh, for you. This is <laughs> this is actually an interview question I ask uh. to head golf professionals and general managers whenever I'm looking to bring them in to operate one of my facilities. If there's a daily fee component to the facility, I like to ask this question. And I think the answers are very telling about you know how the operator thinks. But I also think it gives some information of sort of our expectations of optimizing your premium days at our golf courses. So when I say optimize your premium days, you know, how do you take a day, the 10% of inventory that anybody could sell, that you're going to be absolutely full because it's a beautiful day, it's at the right time of the year, and how do you maximize the profitability on that day and not just have a full T-sheet, make some money, and call it a day, right? There's ways you can actually make more money. So that's what I'm going to ask you today, Jordan. So well, I, I've managed uh, a, a little league basketball team before and a fantasy football team, so I think I'm <laughs> way over my head. But that, but let's let's give it a whirl. This, it definitely sounds fun. This is this is going to be fun. And if you get any of these uh, answers, I'll be proud of you. Okay. okay so there, I, I I expect the next property that Brown Golf Management acquires, I want to crack. Okay. At you, running the place. You got it. We got to <laughs> answer at least one of the questions, <laughs> yeah. right? But all right. So I got to set the stage here for you first okay so this is a a particular day at a golf course okay and this day is going to be full and we're going to go with traditional golf course pricing where, so i'm already doing my job fairly well yes yeah well you think <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with traditional golf course pricing so a traditional course uh it's probably pricing their premium rate in the morning to two and then there's usually a twilight rate you know maybe at three o'clock so let's just say your morning rate's 50 bucks your midday rate's 40 and after two is 30 okay, okay. you're not gonna have to do any math let's just assume those are the rates. Yeah. <laughs> so here is how you set your t-sheet up as the operator okay you operate you start your day at 7 30 so the first tee time 7 30 in the morning okay and you send off golfers in 10 minute intervals so 7 30 7 40 7 50 8 o'clock all the way till you can't send out another golfer because it'll be dark when they finish. Okay, you got a full tee sheet. Yep. Okay, do you think you're doing a good job? I, I would assume that my my initial assumption is if you're if you are full to capacity, then you're doing a good job, an adequate job at least. Yes, you're doing about as good a job as somebody who doesn't have a brain does. If I only had a brain. 
things because the day was going to fill up because the golf course is in great shape, okay. right? And it was a perfect day. It was at the crux of when you were going to fill up no matter what. Okay. Anybody could have filled the tee sheet that day. Okay. It's so easy. A caveman could do it. That is really condescending. That's, that's the challenge. But, you know, I think the default in golf is, hey, I got a full day. I did a good job, right? Yeah. My question think. would be to you. How the next time you have this this opportunity of a perfect day with perfect weather, do you optimize that day and make more money? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm I'm an out of the box thinker. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it is absolutely detrimental to my life. So what I'm gonna do? I know I have a full day, and I know when certain parties are teeing off. Right. So I'm gonna take one male, one female waitress out or a waiter or just somebody I'm going to have little sliders on a tray and they're going to go around to like the third, the sixth, the ninth hole. And they're going to give samples out and say, here's some free stuff. And, and here's some refreshments. Um, hopefully you stick around for a burger afterwards. And I hope you check out the, the restaurant and the clubhouse. Um, we're very happy to have you here. Then on the 18th hole, uh, when everybody I'm going to have like a greeting party for them and congratulate them on a great round. Ask them how they did. Yuck it up a little bit. Say, oh, you know, how you hitting them, Timmy? And I'm going to make them feel special and make the day about them. And then I'm going to once again say, are you guys sticking around? Are you going to check out the restaurant? And if they say no, I'm going to say, oh, well, just so you're aware, here's a 20% discount on your meal tonight. That might be way too big, but those are my initial thoughts. That's a fantastic answer. However, some people are really stupid. I'm not talking about revenue in other channels. I'm talking about green and cart fee revenue oh, only. Okay. How do you optimize your day for green and cart fee revenue only? Fantastic answer though. Okay. Then if I'm already going to have a full day, is it very slimy to say I'm going to raise my prices? Well, at this point, you've already sold those prices, oh, sold. right? Okay, okay. But for the next time, yes, you could raise your prices. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a plus if you dynamically priced your T-sheet. Well, if I had golf pack, I wouldn't have to worry about that, that's, right? That's true. But if you dynamically priced <laughs> your T-sheet, right, you maybe yeah. garnered more average dollar per round because it was a premium day. The T-sheet understood that it was booking ahead of schedule, and it dynamically priced. And perhaps Golfback's weather algorithm took over and layered in its a little additional margin. So we'll give you number one, dynamically the, the priced. Golf industry is hard. Okay, so is there a better answer, though? No, that's that's a good answer. That's one. I have seven for you. That's okay, one. So God. you got one. Do, do you, can you think of any others before I just rip off and give you the rest? Any other ways to... Make more money, green and car fees... The next time you have an opportunity like that where you're going to have a full day. Other than raising prices, that's the first one that comes to mind. Anything else would be a bit of a contrived answer, to be honest with you. So <laughs> rattle them off. Okay, great. Well, this all comes down to one way of thinking, right? Every tea time that goes by, right, is if it's not full, it's lost inventory. So what do we need to do? We need to create more opportunity to sell inventory. So okay. this comes in your T-sheet management and setup. So can you decrease the increments of time between player T-offs? The space between. You could. Okay. Look at your interval times. That could be one option where maybe you get another foursome or so out there in premium windows based off of uh, your interval tee time. So that is two. You have dynamic pricing. Look at your interval tee times. We got two of the seven. As you feed me more information, though, I'm thinking about them. Now I'm engaged. All okay, right. great. All right. So the first tee time was 7.30. What time does the sun come up? 6.15. So maybe we look at the first tee time. Open, right? or open earlier. Open earlier. Right. So that's three. So we got dynamic pricing. 
teeing off earlier, potentially reducing your tee I don't, time I don't deserve credit for that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the other four you have no chance to get, I believe. No chance. That's what you got. Um, Would you like me to give you the other four? No. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to install lights that probably cost several hundred thousand dollars, and I'm going to stay open until midnight. All right, every all of our listeners just turned us off. <laughs> and we're going to get we're going to get black light glowing golf balls. No, okay, I got nothing. Well, assuming you don't do big infrastructure with lights, right? The seven answers to how do I take a straight tee, which is starting at seven thirty at ten minute intervals, and how do and it's full. How do I analyze that and make suggestions for making more money in the future? The answers are dynamically price your T-sheet, number one. Got it. Look at an earlier start time, number two. Look at reducing your interval tee time. So maybe instead of 10 minutes, it's nine or eight minutes. That could impact the experience or it could not. So do you have that opportunity? That's number three. Number four, squeeze time. So if you have an opportunity to squeeze a foursome in between you know, a 10-minute interval, sometimes that's tricky. Potentially, you could put a squeeze time. A lot of operators do that. That's kind of a low-hanging fruit one, but potentially a squeeze time. The three that I like are run a sunrise nine off the back nine while your tee sheet is teeing off early in the morning. So whenever you have your 7 a.m. tee time now, you offer a 7 a.m. nine hole rate off your back nine. Now, obviously, you got to coordinate with your superintendent, but there's an opportunity to get people out in front playing nine holes and then coming off the golf course while you're still running your straight tee off number one. That's brilliant. How do you get, how do you promote that in a timely enough fashion to make people aware of it? Are you just, you're going to assume because the weather is great and given the history of what's happened on the last day like this, that you're going to be able, that people are going to come to you and you're going to say, you know, I can offer you this back nine at the same time. I'm going to build in automated marketing okay. in our email system to Got reach it. out to anyone who's played a nine hole round or an early round or that may be attracted by a reduced price uh, to potentially fill that sunrise. And nine. again, golf back is already doing this. It, it is, but okay. there's also other systems that, you know, have that capabilities, but it's okay. just the thought process of uh, how do I get more people out on the golf course? So that's five. The sixth one is run a double T. So what a double T does is instead of running a straight T at 10-minute intervals, you look at potentially running a double tee. So you're going to tee off groups at in the morning, okay, off the first tee and the 10th tee for an hour and 35-minute window. And then those groups are going to turn into the other nine, and then they're going to finish, right? And then you're going to run a second double tee at about 11.15 for another hour and 40 minutes, and they're going to tee off. And why would you run a double tee? The reason being you can get more golfers out on your golf course in a premium time window where you can charge your rack rate than if you run a straight tee. So I'll give you an example. If you're going to run – if your first tee time is 7 a.m. and you ran nine-minute intervals – from 7 a.m. to 1 o'clock, you can get 164 golfers on your golf course. If you were to run a double tee during that same time period, you would get 192 golfers out on the golf course uh, before 1 o'clock. So there's an opportunity to have 28 more potential tee times or starts sold if you run a double tee. Now, you got to be able to plan for a double tee. Uh, you got to be ahead of it. You got to be able to communicate with your customers. Uh, it is a bit of a change, and obviously, you got to uh, talk with your uh, golf course maintenance crew. Any chance, if done properly, if, if if this is done properly, it will in no way detract from the player experience. 
Absolutely. We've run double T's and our, our pace of play is better because everybody understands, you know, you got to kind of keep up with the group in front of you. So, um, you, there is some, uh, you do, there is some logistics to it. Absolutely. But, uh, I think it's worth it to potentially sell 28 more starts in a day in your premium window. And the last one is pretty sophisticated one. I wouldn't expect you or many other listeners to maybe think about it right off the top of their head, but if you were to say to me, you know what I'm going to do, John? I'm going to look at my rate allocation for the day. I'm already lost. Yeah. What I'm referring <laughs> to is, you know, who booked a tea time at what rate and in what day part. So, for example, if you had a discounted wholesaler relationship and you started to notice that that discounted wholesaler always books your 8 to 9 o'clock tea time, your premium tea time, where you know you could easily sell for rack rate, there's an opportunity to correct that relationship so that you can make more money in the future. So looking at the different rates, where they book by day part in your T-sheet, and then designing your programs around that. Maybe your wholesaler relationship needs to be a relationship where access to the first tea time is 11 a.m., maybe not those premium windows, right? A lot of times analyzing membership programs the same way. If members populate in all the premium tea times all year long, you know, there's a cost uh, to do that. And now do the dues outweigh that cost or not? So it's, it's really looking at your rate allocation. Now, I know there's somebody who's out there listening to everything I said and said, that's all well and good, but there's so many challenges with that. I don't think there's challenges. There's inputs that need to be examined, right? One is what's achievable with my golf course maintenance crew. Do I need more equipment? Um, do we need to mow fairways the night before? What can I achieve with the golf course maintenance crew to uh, to allow my tee sheet to be set up to maximize uh, more inventory? You got to plan ahead. You got to be ahead of a strategy like this. You can't take tee times, you know, for three weeks and then decide four days out you want to change into an opportunity to sell more times. You got to be a month out with this structure. You need to have a T-sheet slash booking engine that has these capabilities. So there's a technology component potentially uh, that needs to be able to support these initiatives. But that is a way to take a straight T at 10 minute intervals. And the seven things you can potentially look at, dynamically price your T-sheet, move your tee times up earlier, reduce your tee time intervals, potentially add a squeeze time, Look at adding a sunrise nine, potentially looking at a double T, and at the end of the day, examine your rate allocation. If you do that every time you have a full straight T, you will make a lot more money in the long run. That's that's huge. So, John, I'm, uh, I need some Gatorade or uh, some electrolytes, but um, why don't we take a second off here, and then we'll, we'll invite Ronnie in. Sounds great. Welcome back to the Golf Exposed podcast. My name is Jordan Michael Colson, joined, as always, by the CEO, the president of Brown Golf Management and Golf Back, John Brown. We're going to be joined very shortly by Ronnie Miles, the Director of Advocacy for the NGCOA, and we're going to talk about some important issues in golf. Now, in Ronnie's career, he has managed and directed the delivery of recreation and leisure services to our servicemen and women, both active, retired, and their family members. He has a wide range of skills and he has provided a wide range of services that include hotels, golf, bowling centers, club and restaurant operations, travel and tourism services, meeting and conference services, child and youth services, military fitness services, and a myriad of special events and activities. So this is, he's the real deal. He's got a lot of stuff here. My hand cramped up a bit writing his bio, but we're excited to have him on and we're going to talk about how that correlates both outside of golf and in the golf world. And you know Ronnie pretty well. Yeah, Ronnie tackles the big, you know, industry issues uh, in golf for the NGCOA, and I think a lot of folks 
uh, that may be members of the NGCOA or maybe aren't members of the NGCOA do not realize that uh, this branch of the NGCOA exists. They fight the big fights. I think they're important fights, and Ronnie's here uh, to talk to us a little bit about some of those fights and, and the NGCOA in general. So why don't we go ahead and welcome Ronnie in. Ronnie, are you there? I am. Good, good afternoon. Great to have you on, Ronnie. It's really a pleasure. Just for the listeners that maybe aren't aware of what the NGCOA is and stands for and represents, do you mind just talking about the organization a little bit? Sure. Uh, the National Golf Course Owners Association really is a member-based organization association that serves the golf course owners and operators across the U.S. Um, we, we have a myriad of services that we provide to this community. Look at um, you know trying to address issues that help them in their business to become successful operators, uh, but also look at uh, how things in the legislative world can impact their business, uh, both at the state level and federal level, and that's kind of the role that I play with the association. And Ronnie, with your experience, obviously helping uh, folks in the service and uh, moving forward, obviously you're helping our industry now. So, what are some of the big ticket issues that you've seen in the industry maybe over the last 24 months that you guys have either tackled, asked questions, maybe tried to move the needle legislatively? What are some of those different items that you think are sort of the, the big ones that, that really matter in the industry? Well, obviously, the, the one we're just kind of hopefully moving on to the, the, the um, other side of, and that's the pandemic. Uh, that, that had created a lot of challenges for our, our owners, especially in the beginning and um, when it really first hit in, in 2020, um, a lot of people didn't know what to do, how are they going to operate. So we, we were one of the first to roll out to our members uh, some protocols that helped them open and open safely to serve their community. Uh, subsequently, those, those protocols, we worked with the PGA and others in our industry to develop the back-to-golf um, uh, protocols, which have really helped our industry um, to show the community, show civic leaders that golf is a healthy outdoor recreation sport and activity. And we were, I think, very impactful and very successful uh, in the communities, uh, keeping the doors of golf open and being really one of the, the premier outdoor recreational operations going, taking place in communities throughout the country. So uh, that's a, that was a big piece for us. What about um, any issues as it pertains to, you know, business? I think, uh, well, one, I think you make a great, uh, you, you give a great example of, uh, you know, maybe a, a single operator maybe doesn't have a comfort level in understanding what programs might be available to them, and and they can call you, and I know they can call you, and I've seen you connect, you know, golf course owners and operators who might be having a particular issue with somebody else who may have also had an issue in the space. So I think that's one of the strongest components of the NGCOA is sort of that community environment that you all build. But what about uh, business-related issues in the marketplace? Anything that uh, you guys are looking at, researching, tackling? Um, well, we're constantly monitoring the, the uh, online tea time uh, space. Uh, there's a lot of issues there. Credit card transaction business, as you may recall, I don't know if your readers, uh, your listeners are, are aware, but um, a few months ago, we had um, uh, some of our golf courses hit with a, uh, a credit card uh, robo scan that impacted a few golf courses, but primarily those that had online retail business operations were impacted where these scammers would, would, would try to get into their system. And uh, they were able, because of the, the 
they weren't properly set up or protected, they were able to uh, increase their transaction fees on that golf course in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, again, uh, trying to educate, inform, and when these things do happen, we want to engage in this case, we, we did engage with the, with the uh, uh, merchant processors um, and we were able to get the funds recovered for these operators uh, following that incident. And that's a true headache that we all need help with when things like that pop up. So the community channel that you, uh, I think you operated, or at least you operate uh, the components that relate to advocacy. Talk about that community channel just a little bit on the NGCOA. I mean, I was on a thread recently. I think there was 20 replies. You get a really nice full uh, spectrum of thought on different issues. Um, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's our what we we call for our member portal, the Accelerate, um, and where we interface and members have an opportunity to interface uh, one-to-one or, or with a larger community, ask a question and, and engage other members and look at solve problems that others may have, may encounter. Uh, the one I recently posted uh, had a comment or a concern from an owner having to do with one of the uh, online tea time aggregators, uh, kind of new to the space, Golflink. And, um, and so when I researched that, we found that Golflink um, really had a lot of, lot of issues. They were um, really providing a lot of misinformation, bad information. Um, I, and so we contacted them directly. I met with them, talked with them, talked about the issues. And uh, they are, in fact, uh, as we speak, correcting their site, updating their site and addressing all the issues that our owners have, have presented to them. So hopefully uh, those who have reached out to them or to me um, are getting those issues resolved. So that, that's a good example of how the acceleration, accelerator can work. And so we hope that members take advantage of that, uh, take a look at the Accelerate, engage on the Accelerate if you have an issue or an idea, a question, lots of, of communications taking place in that. Yeah, I think that's a great example of kind of the redirection of customer attention or maybe an organic customer for a golf course who would go and book a tee time at your club. But, you know, based off the information they're presented, it doesn't look like a tee time's available or they may be directed into another channel. And that's that's a real threat to our business, I believe, as we move uh, stronger and stronger into more and more online tea times, which the, the percentage of online tea times are really growing. I know you guys research uh, kind of that world and, and that redirection, and that's a perfect example of that. Are there any others? Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the newer ones into the space that you, your, your listeners are probably familiar with is Golf Supreme. Um, you know, obviously, 95% of their 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 uh, tee times are really fed from Golf Now uh, portal, um, but uh, again, you, you you go into the, some of these sites and you look at your golf course and you see tee times available. You click on it; it's going to say that, that tee time is not available. So again, it, it is it's they're relying on some they're sharing information that really um, is not correct, and we just we just need to work with these operators, these these aggregators, to make sure that their information they're putting out there to the public is, uh, is correct, up to date. And the other thing I would, I would remind your listeners is, is, is they're right. If they wish not to be in part of their the aggregators listing, they have a right to request to be totally removed from their inventory. So uh, that's an option that they have. And, and uh, 
if they make a request and that request is not acted upon, let us know, and we will we will work with with the aggregator to to make sure that that the request is being addressed. So, Ronnie, I don't want to dwell on the pandemic, but it's still on the top of a lot of people's awareness. So, I also work in the fitness industry, and just for an example, our clubs we have two, and we're at about seventy percent capacity uh, from prior to the pandemic. We're comparing the numbers to 2019, not 2020 for obvious reasons. And we've come to the realization at our clubs that this may be the new normal. So some people say, oh, is the gym back up and running? Yes, it is, but it just looks different now. So my question to you in that vein, is golf back to where it was? Can it get to where it was? Does the normalcy of golf played at a recreational level or even a competitive level, is it ever going to look the same? as it did prior to the pandemic and if so or if not what do you say to course owners who are cognizant or worried about that type of thing well obviously that's a great question and i and i i'm not sure that i do have an answer um it, my answer would be anecdotal but uh if you look at the numbers the numbers will tell you that the game of golf um one has not changed and the number of people entering the game uh continues to look strong uh, we are we are hopeful that those numbers are, are retained. Um, when you get off of the golf course into the clubhouse, uh, obviously that part of the industry has not returned yet, and that's one that uh, um, is really the next phase of bringing golf back is looking inside the clubhouse and the programs and services that were delivered prior to um, the pandemic. So. I would say on the green grass side, the golf operation side, um, the industry looks very strong, very good right now from all indicators that we can, we can see. We can, but uh, when you look inside the clubhouse, um, that I believe still has a way to go, but will they return? Um, I think it will. I, I, I have a lot of confidence that uh, operators, owners and operators are very creative and they understand uh, how to engage with their their golfers and, and those they serve. Uh, I believe they will they will be back just as strong indoors as they are outdoors today. And look, it's a very difficult question for anyone to answer. We don't expect you to have you know all the solutions or the answers at this moment. We just wanted to know from your expert perspective. So we appreciate that. Um, so tell us a little bit. The NGCOA always has so many irons in the fire. They're doing so many great things. What are some new exciting initiatives that you guys have in the foreseeable future? Well, I, one program that we kicked off, uh, really kicked off in uh, 2019, kind of got a pause because of the pandemic. But uh, we, we kicked off our NGCOA golf and travel advocacy initiative. Uh, this program is, was the intent of this program was really to engage with, with uh, those in the travel industry to elevate the visibility of golf within the domestic and international travel community. Um, really to, to, to kick that off and, and really got engaged with that, uh, we joined the U.S. Travel Association and subsequently uh, we now have a, a seat on the board of directors with the U.S. Travel, which gives us an opportunity to, to ensure that the visibility of golf uh, is at the table and that uh, as we look at the marketing for whether it be Brand USA or some of the other uh, uh, the, the DMOs, the destination market officers or the CBBs, 
you know, we're looking, working with those communities to look at how golf is being marketed. Uh, what can we do to enhance the marketing of golf within those uh, destination marketed offices? And also to work with golf course operators to understand the importance of them connecting with the CMOs and CBBs to understand the role that they play and how they can help them uh, draw more from the from the traveling um, population. Well, Ronnie, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, really appreciate all the insight. Keep doing that good work at the NGCOA. We, uh, as owners and operators, really do appreciate you guys tackling these big issues and connecting us uh, to each other whenever one can help another. So just want to thank you for your time. Well, thank you. And John, Jordan, have a great day.